0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing when easy is the struggle. I want to attempt to break down why ease, E-A-S-E, is not easy for many survivors and highly sensitive people. And there isn't one reason. There are many and they're varied. So I hope this episode feels cohesive, but it might feel super random for me to put together. But I hope it helps whoever needs this today to connect more of their dots on the seeker's path. And the dots being connected doesn't necessarily make life easier. But what understanding provides is the foundation for us to stand on to do the work of healing and growth. And surprise, surprise to many of us, it was a surprise to me too on my journey, that learning to be okay with easy is a big part of work for an HSP and a survivor to do on the Seekers Path. So why is this so? I mean, easy should be easy, right? (laughs) So here's one reason. As Americans, we don't really know how to be present. Now, how does that relate to ease? Well, this means that much of our cultural teachings are about looking to the future, looking to what's next, planning what's next. We see this a lot in Americans overworking and overworking and overworking waiting for the next vacation to have permission to decompress. I'll decompress and I'll de-stress when I'm on vacation. Now is for the grind. And we wind up doing this with happiness, as if we can't be happy or have ease in the present moment. So this is the sneaky underbelly of this dynamic, is that it accidentally teaches us that the present should be a grind or must be a grind if we're being responsible people so that we're earning the happy or the ease later. And these are not things that usually anyone tells us directly. This is just part of what we pick up. Now, if we're childhood trauma survivors, many of us, I for sure did this, dreamed about what was coming in the future to be able to survive really difficult present moments. So what helped me survive my childhood to help me get to adulthood may also be the sneaky culprit of what didn't allow me to have ease. And if you're hearing this and you're having a whole lot of struggle right now, if life is just throwing it at you as life does sometimes, I'm certainly not saying that we should be able to work ourselves into some kind of ease all the time. No. But life is going to throw us Enough struggle that if we can give ourselves permission to have more ease when it's easy and to also bring more ease when there's struggle, we burn up less energy in life. We have more joy. We have more freedom. We have less stress. We have less heavy and we have more lightness. There's also a sneaky martyring that comes from delaying gratification I was very much raised with the message that a good person delays gratification. This is a blue-collar dynamic. This is part of pull yourself up by the bootstraps. This is a message which is often similar to what first-generation Americans hear from their immigrant families, and these families will almost universally agree with this statement. I came to America so my children will have a better life. That is a statement many of us are familiar with. And many people that aren't immigrants would identify with this, that they want their children to have an easier life than they have. So collectively, we seem to want this for each other. But how does this actually play out in our psychology? What tends to happen when that child actually gets the better life is that the parents have often been in survival mode or struggle mode their whole lives. So instead of clapping and going, yay, this is exactly what I wanted. This is why I worked so hard. I'm satisfied. This is good. Let's settle here. What tends to happen is that we don't know how to get out of our own patterns. So that struggle pattern continues. And what tends to happen is that child tends to hear, or that adult child tends to hear shame against the ease. Oh, you have it so easy. Back in my day, blah, blah, blah. What are you doing? You should be hustling and grinding. This is a message that easy is not okay. That easy is lazy. That easy is not allowed. Easy is not for you. Something is very wrong with easy generational trauma also contributes my grandmother that raised me for sure she had post-traumatic stress issues from living through the great depression and having had a severe sense of lack and in a way what she went through made her strong and I know that she knew that in a way she she didn't want me to be unhappy but in a way she wanted things to be hard for me Because she believed that it would make me strong. And that's not wrong. It did make me strong. It's just that we need some struggle to grow strength. But many of us get way too much with nothing to balance the struggle. So if we don't have enough ease that comes along with that struggle, we tend to be way out of balance, which creates a struggle all the time dynamic, which makes it seem like, well, I'm doing life the right way if I'm struggling because if I'm not in struggle, I must be lazy and doing something wrong. So we learn to judge ease in ourselves and in others. Here's another little piece of this dynamic. I've known multiple people in my life that operated from this belief and it kind of goes like this. If I run into to one of these people I'm talking about, that they would almost always say some form of one day when we retire, then we will be able to blah, 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 fill in the blank. That is a statement that I believe is very American. And it's a statement that many of us resonate with, that we view as responsible, mature, fiscally responsible, right. But each time I heard it, the older I got, It felt less and less reasonable and right to me and more righteous and martyred. If I suggested like maybe going on a little girl's trip or doing something fun or going to get some massages or something that was just good for us in the present moment. Often someone who operates from this belief might say, no, not now. Like maybe we'll do that after retirement. The statement is more than just a statement of priorities or money management often this statement leaves its healthy bounds and starts to become passive-aggressive and shaming. Beneath the words of this common message of, oh, I'm just going to save till after retirement. I'm really putting away for retirement. It starts to hold the intention, knowingly or not, of sounding and feeling like, well, I'm responsible with my finances. You're not. I'm more of an adult, you're a child with money and spending it that way. Or, I'm better than you because I can delay gratification. And my ego thinks that it's superior to save and hold off than to experience in the present. Or prioritizing joy and experience is foolish, indulgent, wasteful, and disregarding of your future. And that might sound like a stretch for me to make, but check in with yourself on that. Have you felt that coming from someone? Or have you sent those very messages out to yourself or to others? And don't get me wrong, it happens even with mindful people. I've known many a yogi or mindfulness practitioner whose ego would get in the way and look down on anyone for working for the man for investing in retirement, or working for corporate America, for being square or stodgy, because they aren't living a life that sends them wherever the wind blows. And what was once a healthy message of, I'm following my calling, can become a passive aggressive shaming to others who are living in a way that doesn't resonate with them. So getting back on track, Here's another issue that pops up around ease and struggle. We tend to operate on the belief that life is hard or it should be hard. Or if we're earning, that earning should be hard. I remember doing work as a child for my great aunt. I cleaned and sanded a massive front porch to get it ready for painting It took me three days. I think I was given five bucks. That affected me a long time. I'm a business owner. I'm someone who started out working for myself almost 12 years ago now. It was really hard for me to charge a reasonable price for my service at first. I had to look at, wow, I had had to work so hard for every little penny That I needed to do some work so that I didn't craft my own job out of that belief. And had I undervalued myself, I probably would have burnt out and I would not be talking to you today. Sometimes as a culture of humans, we accidentally project from our wounded or immature ego that if something was hard for me, that it should be hard for you instead of a more mature and grounded and secure view, that life could be easier for all of us. And it's okay, and I'll even use the word correct, to invite ease, to allow ease, because life will be very difficult at times. So we can choose to give ourselves permission to enjoy ease. And in this way, We might accidentally make difficult a spreading virus instead of spreading ease. Another little piece of this dynamic, codependency issues. So our codependency issues tend to make us feel emotionally responsible for other people. We may feel responsible for their experience, their pain, their struggle, And often when highly sensitive people are codependent, we are harboring an idealized fantasy we may or may not be aware of that the world will be fair and we don't live in a fair world. So we are at risk as highly sensitive people if we don't understand these things to tell ourselves that my life should be difficult because I'm making up a name because Julie's life is hard. Or Julie's having a hard time. She's uncomfortable watching me make decisions in life to bring more ease while she has struggle. If Julie is doing her work, Julie can be happy for my ease or learn from witnessing me choose ease and give herself permission to make easier choices too versus shaming me that I should be in struggle with her. Have you ever heard the phrase misery loves company? This may be what we're pushing against within part of this dynamic is being able to recognize when misery loves company and have a boundary for ourselves that says, oh, no, I am not going into that belief. I'm not going there with you. I understand why you want me to be there. That would feel comfortable to you in some ways, but I don't want that for my life. I want something different. Another little piece of this dynamic post-traumatic stress, and nervous system issues related to childhood trauma. It seems that logically we would want easy and it would be the easiest thing in the world to invite. But when we find it or we make it happen, we tend to self-sabotage and bring more difficulty. Now, why in the hell would we do that? Well, if you grew up with a lot of tension in your household— If you grew up with physical abuse or a whole lot of shame or an alcoholic or addicted parent that was very unpredictable or a parent with mental illness that was very unpredictable or a financial situation that created a lot of insecurity, okay, what can happen is that let's say I have a scary dad that comes home after work and is scary every day. It seems like I would be pretty comfortable until dad got home. But that's not how that works, especially for a highly sensitive person. The worst time might actually be the time before dad comes home, where I'm left to my own devices, my own thinking, my own little kid way of being and processing. And the way that we process that, sometimes consciously, but definitely subconsciously is in that quiet lull before angry dad gets home. We think, what's going to happen? What kind of mood is he going to be in? So those times that seem, if I was taking a video, quiet, peaceful, easy, aren't internally for a child in a dysfunctional household. So we learn very unintentionally to be anxious on the border of panic when there's ease In a weird flip-flop paradox of how our psychology works We actually start to become more comfortable When dad's screaming at me or being angry or even beating mom Because in that moment, I don't have to wonder what's going to happen I'm not focused on the unknown the what ifs it's happening right now And guess what if it's happening right now, it's going to end in a little bit and interestingly those moments of high intensity may become more allowing or acceptable or even wanted for our system than the lulls of quiet where we have no idea what might happen. So in trauma recovery and healing, I do a lot of work, a surprising amount of work for my clients. When they do what we think of as the bulk of our trauma work, we do more work To get okay with ease. To learn how to teach this nervous system, moment to moment of our lives, how to be in those lulls and actually allow ease when we have gotten to safety and security in our lives. And if you don't have safety or security in your life yet, and you're a childhood trauma survivor, that must be the goal. To have whatever your version of security is, You could still be nomadic, doesn't mean you have to like buy a home with a white picket fence, but to be able to define security and peace and bring those in and allow the inner child to let go of that old association with that being so scary and such a wild card of fear. This is delicate work because our subconscious and our nervous system learn so much more slowly than our conscious mind. So if you hear me say these things and they they matter to you today, they're unlocking something, don't be frustrated or mad at yourself if you still feel your system responding as it's learned how to respond in the quiet lulls. Understand that your conscious knowledge takes a long time to practice to become heart knowledge, body knowledge, your nervous system and your subconscious Learning these things and being able to hold on to them. When that happens, that's when we have changed enough to become the new patterns of healthiness. And we've let go, not just consciously, but in the parts of our humanity that create these patterns. Because we have practiced enough to have new patterns within all the systems of this body, this mind, this spirit that I am, that you are. If this topic pings your intuition, I do have an older episode about waiting in the inner child. Go check that out if this is hitting for you. And a few more things I want to note on this topic another little piece of this dynamic is being fearful of being hopeful or excited. It's a big part of what doesn't allow us to experience more joy, more peace, more ease because we dysfunctionally try to self-protect by telling ourselves easy isn't available or I'm not missing out or doing anything wrong if I convince myself that life is a struggle I don't want to be in the vulnerability of believing something good or peaceful might happen to me but this is a big task in our healing that we all face To learn to have walls that actually protect us instead of walls that box us in and make our life small. That's why this is nuanced work. And there's a lot out there on the internet. There's a lot out there in advocacy communities around different issues right now. That are maybe not understanding the nuance of what it takes to do some of this work. So take care of yourselves. If you're in one of those online communities that's telling you how things should be or what you should expect from healers or from your families, make sure you're working with a professional to get clarity on those things and not any professional, someone that you believe is really a gifted professional that has an art about the healing that they do and resonates with you. Some of us with critical parents learn that we're supposed to whip ourselves through life from the messaging of nothing is ever good enough. And if nothing is ever good enough, then I can't ever rest or let down my guard or relax and enjoy some ease. I can't play because there's always more to be done. There's always something to be better. The perfectionist does not like ease. And all of these things come together to offer us peace and ease as we work. I was also taught that I had to earn any kind of break, earn a vacation, earn ease. So many of us will give ourselves ease, but then feel guilty and shameful about that. So maybe you're listening to this going, okay, I know that I'm supposed to have easy. I figured out how to give myself some, but damn it, I feel guilty and shameful when it's happening. Then that is your current growth edge. What might your inner child need to hear from you to give permission? Because you're giving yourself ease. It means you're pushing against everything I've mentioned earlier in this episode. And your inner child is looking to you to say, are you sure this is okay? This feels very backwards to what I learned. And your inner child is waiting for you to look down and say, you're right. It is the opposite. But how did those messages feel? Oh, they felt stressful. They felt like living on the edge of a panic attack. Yeah, we need that to be different. Yeah, I decided that we can do life differently than the rules we were taught about life and ease. I make the rules now. And I'm saying that we get to have more ease. So in healing, we work to give ourselves permission to choose our lives in the ways that we can. And to lean into the permission that we can only give ourselves to have that ease. We work to resist, to reframe the messages that have taught us that life is supposed to be hard. This is what law of attraction is about. This is what abundance is about. It's about a conscious shift from a sense of lack and struggle to enoughness and ease and allowing it. When we do this, we are shifting from survival mode to thriving. If you don't know how to have ease, it is highly likely that you've been living in survival mode most of your life. We tend to be shocked that ease isn't automatic and that our systems need help shifting to thriving. We really do believe that if we just get some things in place, that thriving will just happen. But we must teach ourselves what thriving is and how to get there. It's important for me to note here that I believe for highly sensitive people that if we don't learn ease, we are at risk of having our inner adolescent create chaos, create difficulty, or step into full on self sabotage if goodness arrives. So if you were struggling with this and have felt crazy, like, what is wrong with me? Easy should be easy. Or I feel shameful because I finally have built up a good life. And I hope this episode helps validate where you are and gives you a bit of a roadmap for how to nurture yourself through. I can tell you it's okay to have ease. Because I do believe it's okay to have ease. But it can't come from me to you. It has to come from you to you. This is what I mean by doing the work. This is the work, to get to know ourselves so that we know exactly what we need to have the life that we're seeking, that we know deep down we deserve and we want. And a good life is not elusive to you. I have certainly not had the easiest life. And that is part of why it's so important to me to practice this stuff. I owe it to myself, to my inner child, to allow as much ease out of my difficult childhood and it's true that I want ease for you for everyone listening and I hope beyond all things that you allow yourself the vulnerability of wanting to learn more ease. Life is always going to offer us struggle as seekers, as survivors, as empaths, as highly sensitives, we really can make the choice to maximize the ease on our minds, on our bodies, on our nervous systems, on our lives. To me, this is the goal, ultimately, of all growth, work, and healing. If you like this or any episode and you want to share it, easiest spot to share it is coming on emotionalbadass.com. And if you're interested in more episodes... If you want to learn and grow, maybe be a part of the live streams that we do on Patreon, come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. We are working towards a goal of having 250 patrons. Right now, we have 215. Our third anniversary is in March. If you'd like to help us make that goal so that we can have a little bit more help with the show. We would love to have you there. We have a ton of exclusive content that we have been growing for multiple years. So as soon as you sign on and throw us two or five bucks or if you choose another tier, you get everything instantly that we have built there for you over two and a half, almost three years. And part of what you get when you sign on is a shout out. So here we go for me to honor Patreon members. And I mean it, mean it, mean it. We cannot do the show without you. This is also why the show is commercial-free. I know y'all hate listening to the commercials on other podcasts. Have you listened to another podcast that doesn't add commercials? Nope, because it costs a lot to run a quality show. So those of you at Patreon, thank you so, so much for showing up. When each of you throws us about the price of a coffee... Collectively that can be a very big movement that helps us add to our team I want to thank kelly Kelly with an I I want to thank jennifer leah kelly ariana julie mike melissa a nikki that's spelled just like me hello nice to meet you there aren't many of us I want to thank Kristen with an e n Kiera, gina Tanya, John, Valerie, Casey, and Joy. Light and love and thank you so much. It means the world to us. We have more exciting things to bring into Patreon this year, so we're really excited. Come help us meet that goal of 250 patron producers of the show by our third anniversary this coming March. Come find us at emotionalbadass.com and patreon.com backslash emotional badass light and love may we all have more ease i'm an emotional badass you're an emotional badass and together we are where moxie meets mindful i'll see you right here next week Bye bye